0: The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. I believe this morning to be a an important word in this year, this time that we're in. I won't be mincing words with you this morning. I have every confidence that the Holy Spirit's going to touch and encourage you profoundly. Let's just come before the Lord and ask for his blessing. I'm going to look at many passages of scripture Uh, Traditionally, I would read a main text and then move on from there, but I'm going to look in the book of Nehemiah for all of you that like reading along, but we'll be looking at different sections of Scripture, specifically uh, Nehemiah 13, but really the whole book. So let's just pray. Father, thank you for what you've done already in the service. We pray, God, right now that you would give us living understanding. That you would release all that's in your heart towards us. you would give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. What you would say to your bride, your church, your people, the flock in your care, the people of your pasture. That we would all be marked by the very finger of God that you would write upon the tablets of our heart. Lord, more than pen and paper, you would change us and release powerful impartation... From heaven into our lives right now. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Shukah bishadia, and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We are in a a move of a movement of rising prayer uh, here at KC. Uh, we are seeing our prayer times grow. There's a greater fervency in our times of prayer that we've been having. Now, we meet in this barn that's on the new property that used to be our old property. Let me say that again. We owned this property years ago and sold it about 10 years ago for a great prophet and great prophet it was indeed. And we released that into the kingdom and bought this building. We've outgrown this building and God in his infinite mercy and grace as a sign that he's in control of every infinitesimal detail gave us the same property back, one of the finest pieces of commercial property left in Wasilla, if you ask me. I am a little biased But it is amazing. The views are amazing. The property is amazing. And on that property right now, there's a barn. And in that barn, Tuesday through Saturday, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., we have a prayer meeting. And it's been growing. And there are times this week I walked into that prayer meeting and it was like I just got knocked by the Spirit of God. It was just, just like a Holy Ghost punch. You know what I mean? I was talking with my wife and drinking my cup of French roast. I walked into like a cloud of the presence of God. I came in just a little bit after 7, and boom, the place was roaring in, in their heavenly language. People crying out, people weeping. I mean, it looked like something out of China. Anybody ever seen any videos of the church in China praying? It's not cute. No, it's fervent prayer. It is fervent prayer that changes things. I've seen such... Answers to prayer this week. Remarkable releases of God's grace. One of the things we pray for in our prayer meetings is that God would raise up young leaders. We'd raise up old ones too. Come on, you don't have to raise your hand, but come on, praise the Lord. He'd raise up young leaders, but he, he would raise up leaders. But not just leaders. We're desiring, we're believing for leaders to be raised up, but a leader that would stand in the face of tremendous opposition. Now, I don't mean just having principles of knowing how to lead people, not just something that you might learn from some book or even a John Maxwell uh, seminar. And I, uh, John Maxwell is one of the great leaders of leaders. There's all kinds of things that you can resource yourself with. One of the hardest things that will happen in the the days that are yet ahead is to be a leader that stands on the word of God that's unpopular. When everybody else says, throw that away, let's not do that, let's do this. Not popular opinion, but standing on the very word of God, even when people hate you for it. And I believe that God is raising up people like that. People like unto Nehemiah. If you look at the Reformation, a different time, Great Awakening, some would call it, some would call it the Reformation period in America, at least, you study revival, you'll find that God will raise up men and women of God like this Nehemiah that we're gonna look at. And they just don't care about what people think. They flat out are more interested in God's favor and pleasing God and following through in what God said than what anybody else says. Amen. God's raising up people like that, reformers, transformers of society. It says in Matthew chapter chapter 5 and verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they set a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16 of Matthew 5, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There are areas of society that embrace lies. And God is looking for people. His eyes are going to and fro, looking for a man, looking for a woman whose heart is steadfast towards him, that he may strengthen them, that they would stand in the day, in the dark, in the evil, perverse generation, and hold out the word of truth and declare God to be God, and let every man be a liar, declare the word of the Lord and not shrink back. I've found in the different places that we've gone as we've done that, and at times I think maybe I've shrinked back or been afraid of somebody's opinion. But the older I get and the more I mature in the Lord, the more I just don't give a fig. And I just don't care. I try to be gracious about that, but I really don't. I mean, I love the affection and, 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 and the pat on the back and all that, but really, we're living for another age. That's what Christianity is, is living. another age. And so as we've prayed in our morning times of prayer, and as I've prayed in my own personal prayer closet, it is our deepest desire that God would raise up not a mamsie, pamsy lukewarm, apathetic Christianity, but God would raise up a people who've been touched by the fire, that God would raise up a people who are moved by the Spirit of God, not by that which is popular, not by entertainment, not, not blown away by the wow factor of Hollywood, but moved by something bigger, something better, moved by Almighty God, moved by His Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will remain. His word will endure forever. Moved by his word. And it's just flat out not popular. As I began to say in the reformations like with George Whitfield and the others in our nation. The Revolutionary War would have been very different had there not been a great move of God before that. It was not, it, their God was not the God of reason as it was in France. France, France was a slaughterhouse. Their God was God and the Word of God and and they had principles and lived by them, honor, dedication, self-sacrifice, picking up your cross daily and following Him. There were many were disciples, and there was a group called a Black Robe Regiment, but a bunch of pastors that certainly didn't give a flip about the 501c3 of of you know the IRS. They knew they would stand before God and there's a church that's rising like that again. There's a church that's rising like that again. There's people that are rising like that, like George Whitfield, and then about hundred years later, D. L. Moody, D. L. Moody, and and Charles Finney. Some of you heard of Charles Finney. Other revivalists. There, it is time. It is time. There is a call that's going out to a generation to come and to set yourself apart to seek the Lord to to desire Him and to please Him first and foremost. There's a call for reformers. Now, the book of Nehemiah is a profound book. And the context of the book of Nehemiah, let's look at that. And if you'd go ahead and look at your notes, if you don't have those, if you'd raise your hand, they'll bring that to you. The context here is Jeremiah has prophesied that Israel will go into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. That's 606 to 536 B.C. We've got some hands raised. Ushers, would you help us out for some notes, please? Thank you. 606 B.C. to 536 B.C. But then they would return to Jerusalem after the captivity. And you can read that in Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. So crazy Jerry, which I like to call him, didn't exactly bring the, 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 the exciting prophetic word that day you're going into captivity, there's an army that's going to come, and they're going to march five months, 700 miles, they're going to whoop us up one side, down the other, and they're going to bring us into captivity, and we will live there in Babylon 70 years. And then he's going to bring us back. We'll march five months back, and, and God will restore houses, vineyards. He'll bring restoration. And so they said, you yeah, had crazy Jerry, you're crazy, bro. And they threw him in jail. But you can't jail the word of God. And so they threw him in prison, and it wasn't popular. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 44 about how God would bring his people out of Babylon through King Cyrus, this Persian king. He's the only Gentile that's called mine anointed. It's a fascinating fact, mine anointed. The kings of the Old Testament were called the anointed one, but then the anointed one, meaning the Messiah, Christ is the Greek for Messiah or anointed one. Jesus, Christ Jesus, the Messiah. But he's the only Gentile that's called mine anointed. So in in verse 28 of Isaiah 44, he, talking of Cyrus, is my shepherd. He'll perform my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built to my temple. Your foundations shall be laid. Wow. Isaiah 56 and verse 7 says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So Nehemiah is used as a powerful reformer to actually be a part of the rebuilding and the establishment of worship in Jerusalem at the return of the captivity. And really, the the temple represents the church for us today, represents God's embassy in the earth. You see, the church is supposed to be a house of prayer. The church is supposed to be a place where there's transformation. Not that you would just receive some teaching and feel comforted and go home unchanged. No, you'd hear the word of the Lord. Be impacted in such a way that everything changes in your life. Your emotions, your relationships, your finances, everything changes. That he would heal you through and through, spirit, soul, and body. That's what the church is here for. That's why we're here. We're here for that, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And it's a picture here, this Nehemiah, who went, and this dude was rough and tough. And he leads the nation into reform. He leads them into reform, and there's four things that he gets them to make covenant with God. With these four things. And you'll see that in Nehemiah 10 And then you'll see the rebuke and the correction that comes in Nehemiah 13 afterwards. 70 years after that captivity, they return. And there's these two governors that are powerfully used by the Lord, Zerubbabel and then 70 years apart, then Nehemiah. Zerubbabel and Nehemiah's reforms are found basically uh, throughout here this, you can read, um, you can read, here in, in the book of Nehemiah and all the different reforms that he did, but I'm just gonna give you a, a snapshot. So, Nehemiah uh, finished the building the walls in 445 BC, right there in your notes now. Took him 52 days, 52 days, which is nothing short of a major miracle. And he and Ezra, I mean, they wanted to quit. He and Ezra, they, they wanted to quit. Not them, but the people wanted to quit. It was difficult. In fact, it says that they they prospered through the prophesying of the prophets. He leads them in this covenant, and you can read Nehemiah 10, verses 1 through 27, emphasizing four specific commands. Say, why would he do that? Because it's these four things that are just not negotiable, even in this generation. And there are four things, and there's more, but from this text, four things that I see that we're going to need to stand on and not be moved with. You cannot be moved on these four things. You're a believer, you're a Christian, then these are not negotiable items. Now in the book of Nehemiah, they have this covenant and they sign this covenant and it ended in this national celebration and it's pretty exciting. And there's all kinds of rejoicing. Nehemiah, having done his job, brings reform, says, all right, God bless you, and heads back to Persia, where he was the cupbearer of the king. He's there for, we don't know exactly how long, but from certain scriptures we can figure out, it's probably about 10 years, eight to 10 years, something like that. And after eight to 10 years, he, he walks back into Jerusalem, unannounced, as far as we can tell, and he finds these these. Covenant, four things that he, that everybody said will do. He finds every one of them being broken. Now, in your notes, let's go ahead and fill out these four things. Nehemiah returns and confronts the people. They promised not to marry unbelievers. That's number one. They promised not to marry unbelievers. Number two, they promised to keep the Sabbath. Everybody say it. They promised to keep the the Sabbath. Number three they committed to giving everybody say they committed to giving they committed to to giving to tithing to giving number four they committed to to, to be a part of unholy alliances they committed to be to refuse unholy alliances that they would not have alliances with people that did not serve God So Nehemiah returns in chapter 13. He walks in and he is just, starts kicking some tail. And it's one of the reasons I really like him. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 23. I saw Jews who had married women of Ashod, Ammon and Moab. Now listen to this now. Pay attention to what I say to you right now. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashod and could not speak the language of Judah. Does anybody know the language of Judah? Hebrew is what the language of Judah is. I contended, verse 25 says, I contend with them. I struck some of them. Don't do that part, all right? Don't don't be hitting people. Amen. I pulled out their hair. So the first thing is, they promised not to marry unbelievers, but what they did is exactly that. And in the marrying of unbelievers, there became a mixture in their families. And really what happened is they're speaking the language of these other nations with their pagan, idolatrous nations. And really what happened is idolatry has been infused now into the families because they married unbelievers. being married is the second most important decision you'll ever make. The first one is making the decision to live for Jesus. All of you young people, while your concrete is still wet, listen to me. Don't pick a spouse that doesn't love God. Serve God. Love going to church. Reads the word of God. Tithes. Lives for the Lord. You say, well, what if I've already done that? I know then you know what I'm talking about. You could stand up and preach your own message. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know, because I counsel. And my heart goes out to folks, but I'm just saying, while you haven't done that yet, don't do it. I'm going to win them over. I'm going to win them to Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. And then your whole ministry, instead of going off into the mission field or being called to, to 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 fund the the kingdom of God through, you know, the establishment of a business or whatever God's called you to do, is over, because your spouse won't want you to tithe if they're not a believer. They won't want you to get. They don't even. Hey, I don't want my kids to go to church. They can choose their own religion. I don't on how dumb you can be and breathe. Pick that option. And so what happens is here in the text, it says that they didn't speak the language of Judah, meaning they didn't speak Hebrew, meaning they could not be in a worship service. Their kids could not be in a worship service and understand what is being said. Hello? Is anybody home? Because these are things actually we need to do. See, it's more than just just teaching uh, a non-marrying an unbeliever. It's actually bringing kingdom principles into your home. Is that conviction I feel in here? Is that what it is? You need to teach your kids. We need to teach our kids. I need to do a better job. You need to have an altar at your house. Sometimes we have to define what we're talking about. I remember year or so ago, there was a brother who gave his heart to the Lord. got really touched. I was talking about, just like I just said, building an altar in your home. God bless him. He sends me a text, contacts me and says, I'm ready to build my altar. Just tell me, what kind of wood do I need to get? You know, what do I get? What, what, do, and do I need any incense or anything like that? I'm like, bro, 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 bro. No, that, that kind of altar. It, it's you have a time when your family comes together to read the word, to pray together. Oh, my kids don't want to. shock. Shock. You know, your dog wanted to go to the bath Not that your kids are dogs, please. <laughs> but you mean your dog wanted to go to the bathroom on the carpet, right? I mean, are you into that? New- I mean, if you are, then we can pray for you at the end of service. It's not so cool that urination would happen all over your carpet, right? So you had to teach your animal, right? Hello, kids, man. you got to teach them. They don't want to go to school. Do you make them go to school? Yeah. Hello? Hello. Oh, it's like the, the, the lady has said to me years ago, she's got an 11-year-old. He says, well, he doesn't want to come to church, pastor. I said, so what? (laughs) Well, I don't want to make him. I said, you make him go to school, right? I mean, you make him take showers. You make them take, sh- yes. Why? Because you can get some diseases you don't take, church. Sh- yeah, you can get some diseases if you don't go to church. Amen. It's bringing, it's not just, it's not just um, promising not to marry unbelievers. It's bringing kingdom principles into your life. It's more than just marrying somebody who loves the Lord. It's marrying somebody who loves the Lord and having a family unit that is steeped in the word of God, that soaks in the presence of God, that worships in their home. And you say, well, I've, we've never done that. That's okay. Change. Amen. Don't get offended at me. Just change. Because if you don't teach your kids the knowledge of, the, uh, of God, you don't teach them the word, there will come days just around the corner. Well, they'll have other things rammed down their throat." I mean the whole same-sex marriage thing, the transgender identity. Look, we love people, but there are men and there are women. There is male, there is female. It says it in there. That's it. It's, people have gotten away from that. They don't want to offend anybody. I'm happy to offend someone in that area. We need to love people and speak the truth. But if you don't teach your kids that, then they'll just think morality is just their own little choice. Or something of, of whether you think is right or not. I think is right. It's all as long as we believe, right? No. And we need to love other people, people of other religions, yes, but it's very clear what the Word of God says. And if you get unequally yoked, you can actually end up having your kids being idolaters and not serve the Lord. And I will tell you, there is no more painful thing. There is, no more, there is nothing more painful to be a parent, to have your kids fall away or never be in the way and choose to be out there. And then your prayer every single day is that somehow they'd have an encounter with God and serve Him. Well, all along, if you had taken care of the altar in your home, you wouldn't have that difficulty. And even then, when you have that, you still have the enemy who prowls around like a lion. And I know many families that had that and prayed and still they're, you know, the the devil's a liar comes to seal, kill, and destroy. So number one... They promised not to marry unbelievers, and he comes and busts them and says, what are you doing? Your kids don't even speak Hebrew. You're not even going to church. You didn't keep the very word that you said back in Nehemiah 10. The second thing was that they would they promised to keep the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is, in that particular time, of course, is a specific day. Now I will tell you, from New Testament understanding, we're to have church on Sunday that comes out of the book of Acts because Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday. And that's why we have church on Sunday. But the Sabbath is supposed to be really every day you're resting in God. Now, a, a, on top of that, you should have one in seven that you rest from your labor. I mean, in other words, you're not pushing to make your, your business move forward. You're not pushing to work. You're, you're, you have a day of rest. Now, that's not riding your four-wheeler at the river. It could be... That's a day of entertainment. Really to understand the essence, the spirit behind the Sabbath is that you would have an encounter with God, that you would experience him, he would speak to you through the word. Really, that should happen every day, but you should have a day where you step aside from that. It's called the Sabbath rest. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching, kid. Praise the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 15 I saw the people of Judah treading in the wine and presses on the Sabbath men of Tyre brought fish verse 16 and goods verse 17 I contended basically he fought with them Nehemiah comes gets up in their face and says dude it's the Sabbath what are you doing take your multi-level marketing thing and get it out of here he contends with them. <laughs> he contends and says, "Man, take your stuff and get it out of the city because it's the Sabbath and you can, we're, we're we're resting today. You're not selling. You're not. We're not buying today." And he rebukes them. He says, "What evil thing is this you do?" Verse eighteen. Did not your fathers do thus? And God brought all this disaster on the city. Listen, I know people who gave, who were tithers, who were part of the house, faithfully going after, believing God to release millions to them. Guess what God did? He released millions to them. Guess where they are? They're gone. They're working today. They're working every day. They're laboring. They're investing, moving their finances forward. And and many times I hear as I confront them lovingly and say, dude, you got to come back to church, bro. you got to come back. I mean, God's blessed you. Come on. He loves you so much, and it's no problem for him to just shut down your deal so that you then serve him. Sometimes I want to pray for people to have problems so they get on fire. Listen, don't forget the Lord. It says when you're in goodly houses and gates, don't forget the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 8. Don't forget him because he's the one that establishes you. He's the one that blesses you and prospers you. And when you forget and you turn from that and you just start going after the the almighty dollars, it says you can end up in some serious pain. He locks the gate in this text. And they, they camp outside the gate verse 21 of nehemiah 13 i warned them and said do not spend the night all around the wall if you do so again i'm gonna lay hands on you now that's not to impart some spiritual gifting that's to beat the fool out of nehemiah was bad you know what i'm talking about i mean he was rough and tough i mean he was not somebody to be contended with he said if you do it again i'm gonna beat the fool out of you now New Testament, don't be laying hands on, beating people up. But the spirit of it behind it, you've got to cut off everything that wants to try to rip off your time with the Lord. Church is important. Everybody needs a church. Everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs fellowship. Everybody. In fact, somebody who says, "Oh, I just love the Lord, but I'm out here and I'm, I get ministered to by God in the mountains." I get ministered to by God in the mountains too. But that idea is not a biblical idea based on First John. You can read through that. Our fellowship is with Him and with one another. You, if you if you have a problem with fellowship with other believers, something's wrong with your salvation. You need healing. People say, well, I've been hurt. I know, welcome to the club. You're going you're gonna to get hurt. I mean, welcome to the human race. Yeah. They don't, they're not going to like me. You, you're, Jesus went to the synagogue, which represents the, the church. They crucified him. <laughs> it was his custom. I'm not saying you should go to a place where you get crucified. But people are people. And, and, and hurt people hurt people. At the, at the very head, if it's damaged and you don't want to go there, but that's not the case here. Wonderful, healthy leadership here. You need to find a place to serve. Amen. Find a place to be involved in. Find a place to go to church and, and have Sabbath rest. Very, very important. Uh, they were committed to giving, but they blew that off. And he comes and rebukes them. This is, this is quite a passage. They're committed to giving. That's finances, tithing. And in verse uh, 10 of Nehemiah 13, it says, I also realized that some, that the portions, that's the, the, the tithes for the Levites, had not been given them. For each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to the fields. Here's the thing. Because people have problems with tithing and giving, they have basically hindered the work of the ministry for some. And, and, and there's people not in ministry reaching the lost and doing everything that God's called them to. Do. They've gone back to work. Not that work's bad, but for some, they should be in the house of the Lord full time. Not everybody should be a pastor. Come on, somebody say praise. God God help you. May God help you. He's calling you to be a pastor. Amen. Come on, Bob, give me an amen. Amen. <laughs> You have to understand and know where God's called you. But you must be faithful with the giftings and the talents and that which he's given to you. And when we're faithful, it releases all of us to labor together as the body of Christ. What this is saying is they refuse to give and do their part that they committed to. In fact, they said, may the Lord curse us in Nehemiah 10 if we don't follow these four things. And so now they're not doing it. Nehemiah comes, busts them here on the third one. They're not giving financially financially. And those who were supposed to be in the house of the Lord, singers, musicians, pastors, just think about that way, they're not in the house of the Lord because they had to go work. Not that this isn't work, this is work. It's just different. Good verse. 11, so I contended with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? I gathered them together, set them in their place. And all of Judah brought the tithe. Wow. Nehemiah demanded that they follow the word of the Lord and give financially. And I'm just telling you. Listen, I'm going to say something a pastor should probably never say in his own church. But it's just true. If you have a problem with tithing or whatever, we really don't need you to tithe. Because there's enough people have a hold of what I'm teaching you right now that we're so so totally blessed moving forward. And and I'm not going to prosper myself personally by you tithing. I'm on a fixed salary, and I'm thanking God. It's fine. It's good. Some churches operate differently. But I'm just telling you, we are seriously blessed. There is a release of prosperity flowing through this thing. We're holding up tens of churches, and moving forward in a building project, it is absolutely supernatural. Now, I want to say this. You 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 really ought to check yourself to not get under that covering and that blessing because God is blessing people here supernaturally. I mean, there are so many blessings being poured out on families and businesses, contractors over and over. People just, just raining on them. Y'all ought to jump in and get a part of it, and we'll just move forward faster. And they brought the whole tithe, and I'm not ashamed to tithe, I'm not unashamed to tell you that. Because I believe it with everything I'm telling you. Come on, somebody say, "Praise praise the Lord. Many times churches don't teach on finances because they're afraid that people will think that they're out after their money. We're totally not. We're out after the blessing of God, and God God is not a man that he should be mocked. A man will reap what he sows, and no matter what, you cannot outgive God. I've seen him come through for me over and over and over and over and over again in supernatural ways. He's given back to me more than I have ever given him. And I feel like at times I've sacrificed, but really it's just a joke, considering what he's done. I mean, what a deal. He says, Okay, just just give this to me. Oh, Lord, that's a lot, Lord. And he's he's like, Yeah, that's because you think it's yours, actually. It's, it's mine. I'm the one that gave it to you. Give it to me, and I'll open up windows of heaven for you. And you'll be like, okay, Jesus. And you give it to me. and he's like, whoosh. I've really, I have received more from the Lord than I've ever, ever given him. Amen. And I pray, God, you throw millions, flow millions for me. Do it. Just, just do it, Jesus. You can trust me, God. Yeah, you can trust me. I want to be a conduit. Release the collar. Release the money, God. Flow right through me. I, I, you can use me. I, I'll build the whole project, God, if you want to get it to me. I agree. Well, Amen. praise the Lord. Look at um, the next point. Here we're kind of going through these one through Four. They committed not to have unholy alliances or significant partnerships with unbelievers. Now, Nehemiah comes in. There's no sound. There's no music. There's nothing happening at the temple. And he's got to ask himself, like, where is everybody? Well, they're all out in the fields. And he begins to deal with that. People begin to return the tithe. And he starts establishing worship again. And he walks into the vault. Now, It says it a little bit differently Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 4 it says Elishab the priest having authority over the storeroom that's the vault having authority over the place where the tithe is all stored was aligned with Tobiah the Ammonite does anybody know who Tobiah was? If you go back to me and Nehemiah chapter four, I'll read it to you. Nehemiah chapter four, verse seven, when when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Ashadites heard the walls of Jerusalem were being restored, they all conspired to attack Jerusalem and they made a plan to kill Nehemiah. Watch this. What are you saying, Pastor Daniel? I'm saying that for Nehemiah, as he returned, he goes into the place where there's supposed to be the storehouse and there ain't no storehouse. Some dudes live in there and it 's not just some dude it 's the actual guy who tried to kill him ten years before, and he doesn 't love god and he 's not a worshiper of god and he 's all shacked up with all his furniture up in the storehouse in the temple. The guy actually lives there. Why would the priest do that? Why would he do that Why? my biblical scholar friend. Why would he do that? I will tell you why. Because this dirt bag was paying people off. He was giving people money and he made financial arrangements with, with God's people and financial institutions, if you will. They were, they were greasing each other's palms. It was corrupt. And so what Nehemiah did was he was like, What is going on? And he picks up the Tobiah's grandfather's favorite chair and he throws the thing out the window. And he starts pitching stuff out the window. Grabs his mother's coffee table. All this stuff starts flying out the temple and breaking. I mean, it's just how I see it. Starts breaking out on the ground and just totally cleans all this dude's stuff out. He's a wild man. He pulled people's hair out and stuff. Nehemiah, man, he's my kind of guy. I think he was part Alaskan. Come on, Jesus. I think God is raising them. Nehemiah's in our midst. Just don't go hitting people. If you feel like you want to hit them from the Lord, it's not God. Bind that spirit. (laughs) Unholy alliances. Nehemiah 6:17 in those days nobles from Judah sent many letters to Tobiah verse 18 of Nehemiah 6 for many in Judah were pledged to him Many in Judah were pledged to him listen don't have unholy alliances what does that mean significant partnerships in business with somebody who doesn't love God is a very very bad idea It'll, it'll be very painful for you. Be painful for your family. It's not a biblical thing. And I have counseled many partners. They start being prospered and the one partner wants to tithe and the other guy's like, dude, we're not tithing on the business. You can tithe on your half. And there's always strife and there's always problems and there's always difficulties because they've, they've made this alliance. Are you saying that I can't work for an unbeliever? No, I, I think you can. And you should be salt and light. You just be led by the Spirit of God. But significant alliances and partnerships, bad idea. Not a biblical idea. Hello? You know, some of you are in the midst of a storm, and I've said this before. You're in the midst of a storm because you got Jonah on board. Yeah, you need to kick, kick Jonah off the boat. Amen. And the storm will calm down. Granted, they were all pagans, but they were good pagans, those guys. Now, if you look, they didn't want to hurt Jonah. They didn't want to hurt him. Listen, God wants to bless you, wants to help you. But some of you are in partnerships that He's kind of hard. I mean, His hands are kind of tied because you're yoked with somebody who doesn't care, somebody who's even maybe doing wickedness, somebody who's maybe even partnered with with evil. And you wonder where the why isn't why isn't God blessing me? Could it be that you're partnered with something that He can't bless? Come on, it's hard for God to bless pork. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some of you are like, what, I'm not supposed to eat pork? Talk to Pastor Alex about that. He'll help you out. Praise God. All right, God is speaking to us, and I need to close. So let's, let's do this. Worship team, would you come, please? God, want, God wants you to have the abundant life. He wants you to have it. But there's principles by which you have that abundant life. It doesn't just happen to you because you woke up and smiled today and said, Jesus... There's principles of the kingdom that he wants you to learn to live by, and he wants you to have them in your marriage, have them in your family, have them in your kids. He, he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to prosper. He wants you, and prosperity, again, really doesn't have anything to do with money. There might come a day where you might, you know, if, if God's not your source now, I mean, how will you fare on the flood plains of the Jordan? Hello? If God is not your source now, is anybody hearing me? Are you feeling me? Wake the guy up next to you. Wake him up. Come on, nudge the person Say so he's gonna say something. All right. If God is not your source right now, what makes you think you'll make it later? Because there's some things that are headed our way. You can't do what America is doing and not get spankings. You just, you just, you just can't do that. Please be in prayer for the Supreme Court as they come to a final decision moving towards June on same-sex marriage, being constitutional or not. Please, it's not over. God, put the fear of God on those judges. Let them choose rightly according to the word of God, in Jesus' name. You can't murder a whole generation. There's two generations now. I think we probably killed the person who had the, had the cure for cancer. We probably probably slaughtered him. Hello? You can't do the stuff America's doing and not head into big difficulty and pain. And really, it just takes, this might freak you out, but it's just true. And I'm responsible before God to tell you what I'm about to tell you. It just takes one serious, you listening? It just takes one serious global problem. And it'll push towards a a global economy. I'm telling you, the stage is set for the Antichrist. If If you don't understand eschatology and the word of God and where we're at, the stage is set, man. But some trust in horses and some in chariots. We trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Amen. And it's not about going and building a bunker. It's not about going and, and, and building a bunker and doing all that. You know, you might have food stores. I don't know. We'll do whatever the Lord leads you. First Peter 4 talks about how the time is short. The, in fact, First Peter 4 verse, uh, I think it's 3 or 4. The end of all things is near, First Peter says. He says, therefore, be, so, be sober-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. We need to be a people of prayer. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He turned things through prayer. You can look throughout the entire book. You see him calling out to God, God intervening. He was a man who fasted. We need to be like that. God's raising up reformers. But stand on the word of God, even when it's unpopular. Can you say amen? Come on, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't don't marry somebody who's not a believer. It's dangerous, very dangerous, very scary. Missionary dating, bad idea, bad idea. I know she's fine. I know he's fine also. It's not God unless they're serving the Lord. Amen. And you think that you're gonna convert them? I hope so, but I have way too many people that I've met with over the 20 years of ministry that that's not the case. And they just broken every Sunday, crying out to God and their spouse is not with them. You don't want that. No matter how fine he is. No matter how fine she is. That, listen, over time, things change physically. (laughs) Over a period of time, (laughs) that which was so fine is is dragging. (laughs) And really what you need to find out Is that beauty has nothing to do with this? It has everything to do with the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, not outward adornment. Come on. Did you guys get something today? Stand up on your feet, won't you? God's speaking to us, He longs to give you the abundant life to commit to living holy. Everybody say, commit to living holy. Number three, be a person of prayer. Number four, be a Nehemiah. Be like Nehemiah. Come on, let's reform. Who's going to stand up and do something? Who's, anybody? Come on, stand up. Get involved in the political process. Listen, if you're not registered to vote and you're old enough, repent and do it because there's another election coming. Get ready. Be prepared. Take a stand. Do the right thing and let everybody else pound sand. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Live for him. Amen. Be a reformer. Take a stand. Build an altar in your home. Be a person of prayer. Teach your kids. Teach your kids the word of God. Teach it to them. I'm tired of seeing children backslide. It's terrible. It's terrible. It need not happen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done today. But you're raising up a generation of Nehemiahs. And it's for this reason that you've placed us here, Lord, in Alaska, to bring, to usher in a mighty revival and to raise up an army. Even as it is in Ezekiel, you looked across the valley that was filled with dry bones, dead religiosity. And you said to the prophet, prophesy. And so the prophet prophesied bones began to come together joint to joint ligament to ligament then sinew and flesh covered them And you said to the prophet, can these bones live? And he said, surely you know Lord. And he said, prophesy to the breath. And the prophet prophesied to the breath. And the breath filled that army. And they stood before him an exceedingly vast army. The army of the Lord. And God is raising up an army that is uncompromised. An army that will unite with him in a holy cause to bring in even the end time harvest. There's coming a mighty wave of the Spirit of God. Don't be asleep. Don't Don't be seduced by the world, by the wow of of Hollywood. Let the passion and the zeal of the house of the Lord consume you. Get into a prayer time. Get into the Word of God. Lift your hands and lift your heart. Lift your voice in worship. When nobody's around, find a place where God can visit with you daily. Set a time with Him and stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against the, the perversion of this generation. We will see the greatest move of God there has ever been in all of history. That's where we're headed. Can you say amen? Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus, don't you? Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Lord, we love you. We bless you today. We honor you. Come on, lift your voice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus use us to bring change and reformation in Jesus name one more thing every head bowed every eye closed if you're not right with God and you want to be reconciled to him have your sins forgiven make heaven your home there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain I'm not talking about joining our church I'm not talking about joining God's family his church nobody moving around just another 45 seconds we're done Want to give your heart to Jesus or recommit to him because you've drifted. If that's you, want to give your heart to Jesus first time or recommit to him because you've drifted away, raise your hand right now. Where are you? God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. I see that hand, son. God bless you. Anybody else? Raise your hand high. Want to be included in this prayer? Raise your hand. God bless you. Good choice. Most important choice you can make. Come on, let's pray this. And in this moment, you're going to have all of your sin wiped out. It'll be brand new. You'll be brand new. cleansed from the former things. Come on, pray this with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for dying and thank you for sending your son to die in my place. Thank Pardon me. Send your son. Forgive me. Forgive me for all of my sin. For all of my sins. Thank you. Thank you that you rose again from the grave, Jesus. Be my Lord. Be my my Savior. Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. me. Thank Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you lift your hands as a sign of surrender, Holy Spirit. Fill. Touch. Break every bondage. Break every chain. Fill these. Fill us afresh right now. Holy Spirit, fill us, use us. Hallelujah. The Lord says, I'm touching different ones here. You know who you are. Your heart's beating within your chest. I've called you to be great in my kingdom. That's not necessarily great in the earth. It's great in my kingdom. See how big a heart you can get for me. Stand on my word. Declare it. Proclaim it. Decree it. Let your life be a letter. An epistle. To those who are all around you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. And I will use you to display my wonders in the earth. Do not fear men. Stand on my word. Stand on my word. Stand on my word. And see the deliverance of the righteous. says, Lord, take someone by the hand. Praise God. Won't you reach across the aisles? Come on, just connect with somebody. Father, thank you for what you've done today, what you did in the first service, what you did here in the second. For all those you touched online, those that you'll minister to even later, Now you've spoken to us. I believe you've spoken to us, Lord. May the effects of this service be far-reaching, even into eternity. Use us, Lord, as your ambassadors, your ministers of reconciliation throughout the valley, God, through every place that we go. Use us. Put the words in our mouth in that hour. Divine appointments and the blessing of God. Use us as reformers to get involved, Lord, even in the different areas of influence throughout our culture in this generation, no matter our age or station. thank you and praise you. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We hope to see you tonight. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken.